I want you to repeat after me real quick. Say, God speak. God speak. That's pathetic. God speak. God speak. Not tomorrow. Not today. today. Let's say it like we mean it. God speak. God speak. Not tomorrow. Today. I hope that's the attitude in which you come in here every single Sunday. Is that, God, I want you to speak. I, I want this to be a time in which I give you an offering of my praise and the resources of my life. And then I don't just hear a message. I come down and I say, God, at the end of the moment we're together, I want to hear you. I want to hear you speak. And I hope that becomes kind of the motto that you bring in there. God speak, not tomorrow, but today. Take your Bibles as we listen to what God has to say today. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. And and it's Mother's Day, and we are so thankful for our moms. You know, they say that, that, I've heard it said a thousand times, I think it's true, that moms really deserve more than a day to, to acknowledge and to thank and to celebrate all that they have done for us, all they've invested in us, the impact they've had in our life both intentionally, as they try to raise us, and unintentionally. They've impacted our ways that our moms don't even realize. In many ways, we don't even realize till later on in life when we see some of the influence that they have unintentionally in our life kind of come to the fruition. And so they, they have this. So, so we want to say thank you, Mom. If you have not yet already thanked your mom, please make sure before today end that you contact her and you let her know thank you for all that you are. Because they sacrificed a lot for you. I mean... When you're a teenager, you, you kind of want to look at your parents, and maybe you said this to your parents, or maybe you're a teenager and you're saying this to your parents, you know, why, don't you, why aren't you richer? Why don't you have more stuff that we can have? And the reason why they're not richer and have more stuff is why you. You're the reason why they're not richer and have more stuff. Without you, they'd drive a really cool car. They'd have really cool stuff. They'd go really cool trips. I tell my kids all the time, they insinuate at some moments that I'm not cool, and I look at them and go, let me tell you, I was super cool. Till I had you. And when I had you, uh, something, something happened. You're the, you're the cool killness is what you are. So don't blame me, blame you. I was really cool till you came around. So, you know, we, our parents, our mom particularly, gave up so, so much, sacrificed so much to raise you. And, and, but if you ask her if she'd do it all again, her answer would be yes. So you make sure that you thank your mom today. Uh, as I think about this, it's kind of a coincidence that today's message and, and when I think about moms kind of coincide, because when I think about moms, it's an odd word, I know, but I, I think of the word investment, because it's really what moms do. They, they through the years, they just make a, a great investment. They, they reach into what they have, and, but not only that, they reach back to what they've experienced and what they've, they've been through, and they take all that and they, and they just invest it into us so that we can be positioned emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. We can be positioned to have the greatest opportunity to move forward and do something with our life. And that's why when I think of moms and what they do, and the most important thing they do, and probably the most influential thing they do, is they just make an incredible investment of themselves into us. And that just kind of coincides with what we're going to jump into today. We're in this series that we call Boarding Pass. And, and the, the reason for that is because we're always heading somewhere. We're all we're really kind of looking and, and just sitting where we are. We're always looking at what's next. Because there's always a what's next that's coming. It's always right around the corner. Sometimes we know what's next is. We know what's coming. We, we, we can tell you what's our what's next is. Some of y'all have been celebrating graduation over the last month. 
That's both for parents and child. That's a what's next. And sometimes we see what's next coming. Sometimes we don't. It just invades our reality. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But because there's always a what's next, it's like we're always walking through life with a boarding pass to head to our next destination. That creates a question that we've been talking about here for the last several weeks. And that is this. Are there some things that we can do today? Are there some things that we can do now to prepare us for what's next? Are there things that we can do in this season to prepare us for the next season of life? No, no, whatever that next season has, whether we see it coming or not. And the answer to that question is yes. And we turn to Scripture, and there's so many things in Scripture that God lays out that if we would put into practice today, it would prepare us for what's next. And some people say, well, i got a plan. Plans are great, but preparation is better than a plan. And the Scripture gives you some things to help prepare you for what's next if you do them today. And so we've been going through that, and there's a temptation on my part to kind of just go back over all the things that we've talked about over the last several weeks because it's been some really, really good stuff. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more next week and then uh, Moral Day weekend. We've just got some great stuff coming. We're going to just celebrate uh, communion and Lord's Supper together. If you've never done that at Piedmont, it's always such a great, great time. And then in June, I'm going to launch into uh, the book of Philippians. We haven't gone just kind of wrestled with a book and kind of figured out, so we're, we're going to get into that book, and we spent a little bit of time in that book today. But some great stuff coming. But I, uh, a couple of weeks ago in the series, I talked about how it is so important that if you're going to prepare for what's next, that today you've got to constantly be looking and working to cultivate people in your life that can speak wisdom into your life. You need people speaking into your life, and you need people speaking the right things into your life. It's one thing to have friends and buddies and all that. That's fine. There's some people we enjoy being around, but those people may not be people who speak wisdom into our life. And if we're really going to be prepared for what's next, whatever that is, we need to work and make sure that we have relationships with people. We need to seek out relationships with people of substance that can speak wisdom into our life. And we talked about the value and importance of that and how God in Scripture on many various places in scriptures many times he's telling us make sure that you have people of wisdom speaking into your life this morning what i want to do is i want to kind of see the other side of that coin and let me say up front that what we talk about today is going to be something that you're going to have a tremendous temptation in fact many of you will you'll have a tremendous temptation to put what we talk about in the i ought to category of your life and you know what the I ought to category of your life is, right? It's that area, those things that you hear, that you're challenged with, that you know you should do, that you agree with, but you're never going to do. But you don't want to admit that you're never going to do them because you know that you should be doing them. And so instead of just discounting them altogether, you're not going to do that because you know you should be doing them. You can't do that. So what you'll do is you'll just say, I ought to do that, or I need to do that. And you have this I ought to list in your life. And it's like the black hole of things that, that you should be doing. They go in there and they go in. They just never come out. And so you make this list. And, and somehow in our mind, we've convinced ourselves that we get credit for it if we just admit that I ought to be doing it or I need to be doing it. And so we put on. Today is one of those days that's going to be very, very easy for you to put on that, put what we talk about on that. That's what I ought to do list. But. You need to understand that what's at stake here is your ultimate happiness and fulfillment. 
That's what's at stake. The loser in this, if you don't ever become intentional about this, if you put it on that I ought to do list and that just it remains there, the loser is you. Because if this just becomes something you ought to do, but it does not become a core, critical part of your life's mission statement, you will never find happiness and fulfillment to the degree that your heart longs for. You know, it is sad when someone else keeps you from being happy and fulfilled. It is tragic when you keep yourself from being happy and fulfilled. And there's a danger of that if we put what we talk about today on that, eh, I ought to do that list. So, I'm going to ask you to track with me just a short period of time here. Track with me, I think you're going to discover something that's absolutely critical to you developing and nurturing and growing a life of happiness and fulfillment that you long for, that you need. So we start, and we have to understand this. God created you in his image, and he gave you life. But here's the thing. He only gave you one life. That's it. You don't get second chances. You know, you don't start out as a, as a human and get reincarnated to a better human or maybe a cow or something. It doesn't go backwards, doesn't go forward, anything like that. God created you with one life. And if you read the Scripture... You will discover, if you're honest, that God never intended for you to live that life primarily and principally focused on you and your needs. Honestly said, bluntly said, God has given you time, He's given you days. He never intended for that time, those days that you have, to live principally for yourself and for your betterment. The skills you have, God didn't give you those skills to, to principally use for just you and yourself. Yes, you ought to use them. Go out and make a living. But, but, but God, when he gave them to you, that was kind of second. Now, that's kind of add-on. That's kind of what you need. But principally why he gave you those skills was not just to use them for your own life advancement, for yourself. The resources you have were not given to you primarily for use you to just expand your life and lifestyle. The lessons you've learned in life, through the things that you've gone through and you've learned through things, because sometimes just going through something is not the best teacher. It is the only way to teach us some things. And the lessons you've learned in life weren't learned, weren't given to you by God so that you could just use them, so you won't go through that again, so you have a better mindset, so that you, you, you. No, they weren't principally given to you so that you could use them to just enrich your life. And the reason I say that is this. Is God created you, but he didn't just create you. He was very clear that he created you in his image. What that means is this. It means there is residue of the DNA of the character of God flowing through your veins, your physical veins, your emotional veins, your spiritual veins. It is there. And when you look at God, at his core, he is an investor of people. At his core, he is one who gives himself, not just constantly looking for what benefits him, not constantly looking for what advances him, but he's constantly using who he is to invest and to better the life of us, of others. 
And you were created in the image of that God. And his and residue and a fingerprint of his character is in you, running through your veins. It is a part of who you are. It was a part of who you created to be. And until you understand that and connect to that and value that, you'll constantly be chasing things that at the very best can give you momentary or give you low-level fulfillment and happiness. And you'll get to thinking that if I can just add more, then I will be happy. But it's not about adding more. It's about redefining what you understand successful living is. It's about redefining what you understand brings happiness and fulfillment. And, and this is what Paul was getting at when he wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. And, and he says something here that just is, God, we've got to move it from the I ought to to the yeah, I do. Listen, Philippians chapter 2, picking up with verse number 1, he says this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete, listen to what he says, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Here's what he says here. He says, you know what? We have, we may have differences. That's what he's saying. No, no, no. We will have differences. And that's okay, because we're different, we see things different, we experience things different, we value, that's, that, that's going to happen. But there is one thing that is so, so important, that is so, so valuable, that is so, so essential to who we are as ones who've been redeemed by God. It's so absolutely essential, because it's core to who He is. Just look at the cross, that we can't be divided on this. We can't have different opinions on this. We can't get in a discussion about whether this is truly... No, this is one thing that we have to all be on the same page. We have to all be in agreement with. We have to be all walking in one step. Now think of all the things he could follow that with. Verse 3 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now let me stop right there. Because the words, and let me clarify a little bit. The words selfish and then ambition, and then conceit. Those words are not intellectual words as much as they are emotional words. And when we read that, our emotions want to give some pushback to them. Because we look at that and we go, you know, I, selfish ambition? You know, that, that's not me. You know, that, that's the wolf of Wall Street. Those are those kind of people. That's, that's not me. I'm not a person of selfish ambition. And then we go on and say, vain conceit. I'm, I'm not conceited. And we look at those words because they're emotional words and we want to push back against them. And remember, they're, they're translated. Don't, don't hang on the modern day kind of emotion tied to the word because one, Paul didn't even say those words. That's a translation out of the Greek text. What Paul is saying is this. Is he saying, you know, don't live in a way. Don't allow yourself to fall into a pattern of living. Whether, whether you intend it or not, you live in a way, you, you allocate the time, energy, and resources of your life, that whether you think you believe this or not, your life confesses that you believe that the resources of your life, time, energy, experience, skills, the resources of your life are primarily there in your life for your benefit. 
That's what he means by that. Because when you do that, you may not think of yourself as conceited and there's a you know, whole emotional word in modern day language for that or selfish ambition. You don't think about that. But, but, but what you're basically doing is your conceit is about being focused on yourself. Selfish ambition is saying, how do I just advance me? And what he's saying is, don't allow yourself to fall into just approaching life that way. And it's not intentional a lot of times. It's unintentional. It's just how we fall into living, that we just treat the things of our life, whether it's people, whether it's resources, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's experience. We treat it all as if God let us have all this and God let us experience all this primarily to benefit ourselves. And in doing so, we miss out the character of God that is running in us. The character of God, which God expects for us to emulate in our life. He says, be imitators of Christ. What did Christ do with his power and his authority and, and, his, and his physical body? He did what? He used it primarily for our benefit, the cross. And Paul just says, up, and it's like he knows us. He knows him. He says, listen, if you don't watch it, you're not a bad person. I'm not saying that. It's not that you want to be evil and you're all stuck on yourself. Maybe you are. But, but, but what he says is here, here. The focus is this. If you're not careful, you'll end up building a life where you view the various things of your life as they're primarily for the benefit of you. And you'll go through life. And if you do turn around and extend a hand to someone and really invest into somebody else, it will be extra. You'll end up patting yourself on the back. You'll say, hey, look how good I am. He says, what happens? You've turned life upside down. you turn the priorities of God upside down. He goes on and says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, here's, here's the mindset I want you to have. Rather in humility, value others. He could have stopped right there. And we would have said, yeah. Good job, Paul, great news. But he had to put the next part in. Value others above yourselves. I can value what those two words. Then it goes on just in case we want to kind of avoid those two words. Not looking for your own interest, interest but each of you to the interest of others. And then he reminds you that this was out of the character of God. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't just walk around and say, hey, you know, take care of yourself, be nice to people. Take care of yourself, be nice to people. He said, be nice to people, take care of people, and I'll take care of you. Imagine if we walked around with that mindset. Not the, hey, take care of yourself, be nice to people. What if we said, you know what, i got to take care of people and let God take care of me. Then all of a sudden, we would begin to view our life. Not that we don't spend anything on our own and ourselves and all that. No, it would just be a, a, a reworking of our values to where not as a good second, if I have something left in my time, energy, and effort, I should do this. No, I ought to know. No, all of a sudden, it becomes a part of our life mission statement that I'm here, and I'm given time, and energy, a body, a, a job, opportunities, skills, experiences. And God wants to use that for me to do what he did. And that'd be a person that invests in the lives of people that are around me. What he's saying is this, that instead of having you focused on you, let God focus on you. 
instead of you focus on you, live your life in a way that values investing in the lives of people that he brings into your path. And since you want it to be about you, we all do, I'll bring it back to you. That unless you broaden your view of success and successful living to include the thinking that making a difference is far more important than making more dollars, you will never find the level of fulfillment and happiness that your heart needs. Now what will happen is you will always be chasing after it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you end up making. It doesn't matter what kind of title you achieve. It doesn't matter what kind of vehicle you drive. It doesn't matter how popular you become. It doesn't matter all these things. If you are living your life where the principal focus on your life is all that I experience and all that I have is for me, for my benefit, for my fulfillment, for advance me, and in other words, you're just taking that over for God and say, I'm responsible for that, and people come second to that, You're always, no matter what you get or achieve or become, you're always going to be chasing after that thing that your heart just longs for, and that is happiness and fulfillment. Because God's DNA is in you. You can get away from a lot of things in life. You can change a lot of things. You you can change your hair color, your hair shape. You You can work out. You can change. You can change a lot of things about you, but you know what always catches up with you? DNA. DNA. You know, there's a good chance... If one of your fathers, grandfathers, one of your side of the family lost their hair, guess what? You're probably going to lose your hair. Now, you can try as you might. You can use Proesha, Roesha, whatever all that stuff is to put on you and eat and all that. But listen, you can't get away from DNA. God's DNA is in you. You are created in the image of God. And at the core of who God is, he's an investor into people. He's an investor into others. And you can make that secondary to your life and you can cover it up and you can kind of medicate yourself away from it by just making life about you and it can go on for a while. But let me tell you something, you can't get away from your DNA. And when life becomes more about what you get and you can achieve and what you can go and what you can accomplish and all that, your DNA will catch up to you and you'll constantly be chasing after the fulfillment and the happiness that your heart longs to get listen your what's next is always is always good or bad it's always going to bring people with it it will new people many times and the question is in that is are you going to see those people as opportunities to invest to make a difference Are you going to view that person that God brings in your life that here is someone that one day they're going to look back over their life and they're going to point out to people who stepped in at critical moments and gave them exactly what they needed in that moment. Whether it was physical and tangible or or not tangible at all. And, And I'm going to be, I want to be, I'm going to work to be that person. Is that the attitude you're going to have with the people? Because let me tell you, the people in your life are going to look back. And they're going to point to some people in their lives that just, they were there. They were there with a word. They were there with an arm. They were there financially. You know, there's so many, they were just there. 
And God used that in a powerful way to maybe move them back on track or move them forward or give them a better way of viewing things or help them out. And they're going to point to that person as a person that made the difference. What if you and I valued that more than we ever valued how much money was in our bank? A couple things would happen. You'd become more like Christ. You would be remembered. Because those are the people we remember. You will be remembered. And you would have a level of happiness and fulfillment that so many people are constantly chasing after. Even people who have a lot in time, money, title, and influence. And that's what Paul is saying here. And that's why he's saying, listen, we can't have different views on this. We can't get away from this. We can't, we can't let ourselves forget this. We all got to be in one mind. We all have to understand this. Because it's DNA, and you can't change that. And Paul is just saying, you know, it's time that we redefine what it means to live successful. To be to live life successfully, or I'm living life successfully when I live it primarily for the enrichment of those that God puts around me. I can point to my own life and see this. It was a few years ago that I had opportunity to spend a few years as part of a football staff. And it, let me tell you something, it wasn't convenient, it was not convenient. It was not always easy. Working with high school boys with a lot of testosterone, not always the easiest thing to do. It wasn't financially, you know, it didn't, it didn't help me financially at all. In fact, it cost me. There's a couple of times that my job went down to making sure the equipment truck got to the, to the game and back. And there's a couple of times that whoever was supposed to, name, name, nameless, anyway, they were forgot to fill up the truck supposedly on accident and so we had enough to get there but i like to get home and so i filled up the truck on the way home you know there's a couple times like that it didn't help me financially but i look back on that and i have such of the fun and it wasn't because my son was on the team i started doing it before my son was on the team but i look back on that with some of the fondest memories that i'll have with me all my life because i had an opportunity to reach back in my life and pull from just what I've learned through Scripture that other people taught me and I taught myself, but pull from things that I've been through and things that good and bad I've walked through and learned through that and just pull from all that and turn around and just invest in these young men. And to this day, I have some great relationships with some of them. Some of them are coming over to our house very soon that have already graduated and gone on. I have one uh snapchat me last uh, recently we went out to eat for uh, to talk about some things at dinner last week i i just those you know the memories and the fulfillment and the happiness that i developed through those years there's no amount of money that will ever ever be able to give me that there's no amount of influence or position that i'll ever have that will give me that level of fulfillment and happiness that investing into someone else did. I tell you, we do it not because it's easy. It won't be. 
don't do it because it is something that fits into your schedule. Most of the time, it disrupts your schedule. Don't do it because it's financially feasible. Most of the time, it will be financially costly. You know, if you want to sit down and find logical reasons to do it, there is no other one than this, that you are created by the image of God, and in your DNA is God's DNA, and God above everything else, he's an investor into other people. And there's just something in you that's never going to find happiness and fulfillment until you do that. And it's, I'm not just talking about your own family, though that is your first responsibility. I'm calling you to hear what Paul says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests. That's jobs, God's job is what Paul would say. That's God's job. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationship with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ. What was his mindset? They need a Savior, so I'm going to what costs me everything. I'm going to the cross. That was his mindset. So look around. Look around you. Who's around you that you need to invest in? Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's some employees that you've just treated as resources for you to run your business and they're actually lives that God has put there. Imagine the culture change at work if all of a sudden they became people that you viewed them as people that God brought into your business that, oh yeah, they helped me accomplish what I do, but they're people that God has given me to invest in. Maybe it's your employee, maybe it's your boss. Maybe it is a classmate. Maybe it's particularly that classmate that everybody else overlooks. You know, there's those invisible people in our schools. They're invisible to everybody but themselves. They know very well who they are and what they're experiencing. And maybe it is you're the big popular guy. And you just need to turn around and realize my job here is not just to be popular, but to use my popularity to always make sure that anyone that comes in contact with me, I make them feel more important than I think I am. Imagine that. I had a pastor one time that I was always impressed with. I was up close to him, and he was a pastor of a church of many, many thousands. But I always, one thing, that, one of the impacts he left on me was that every time he walked into the room and saw another pastor, particularly of a pastor of a church that was much, much smaller than his, he would always walk over there, and he treated, like they, treated them like they were the pastor of the megachurch. He just walked with this attitude of, my job is to enrich the lives of people that I come in contact with, not for them to think I'm important and enrich my life. Maybe it's that person in class that's just invisible. Maybe it's neighbors. Maybe there's some older neighbors in your neighborhood that just need somebody to be there and watch out for them. Maybe it is, it is that young family that just moved into your neighborhood. They think they're in love, and you know they have no idea what love really is. And they just need... He just needs a guy to just befriend him and show him what a husband is. and just She needs someone to talk to from time to time. Maybe it is you need to volunteer. Some of you need to step up and all-star kids or treehouse or hospitality or something like that. Not because we have a need here for those things, all-star weeks that's coming up, but because you need to put yourself in places where you are investing in the lives of people. It's not something you ought to do. It is in your DNA, and what's at stake is your happiness and fulfillment. So, don't sit and say to yourself, you know, this is good stuff, and I really ought to do that. 
which means that's something I'll never do, but maybe I'll get credit for saying that I do. But instead, understand that for me to get ready for the future, it's about me today. If I want to get ready for happiness and fulfillment in the future, it doesn't start in the future. It starts today, not just advancing myself, but ahead of that. Live with the understanding that God's responsibility is to take care of me. My responsibility is to use the gifts, the talents, the time, the resources that I have to constantly looking for opportunities to enrich the lives of people that God puts in our path. I tell you, this is one of those little keys that few people discover, but it will unlock a huge door to happiness and fulfillment. I promise you that. Having said that, let me, let me say this. When you begin to understand this, what you do is you begin to look around and you begin to see, you know what my job is? What my job in life is? It's to look around and find thirsty people and be that one that so much wants to and is committed to handing them something to drink. That's what it is when you begin to realize that, hey, life is not primarily and principally to be about you taking care of you, but it's about you looking for the people in life and helping them. And that's great. But that thirsty person, you know what they're most concerned about? What they most need? is not just you willing to give them a cub, but they want to know what's in the cub. They're, they're needing the water that's in the cub. They need the substance. Follow me. It is a big thing when you shift from making life all about you to making life, hey, God's going to take care of me. I need to make sure at the forefront of my life is I'm live to invest and in enrich the lives of people that God puts on my path. That's my calling. When we begin to live that way, that's the mindset of someone who's, it's the same as someone saying, you know what, my calling is to find thirsty people and hand them a cup. It's another thing. Then sit back, but what am I giving them? When you begin to want to invest into other people, what they need is for you to have substance to you. They need for you to have substance to your character. They need to have, for you to have substance to who you are. I tell people all along, you know, when it comes to physical things, I want you to go out there and I want, to, want you to work so hard and I pray that God gives you as much money as you're capable of getting. That's cool. But I pray... Only if you have this mindset. I pray that you have as much money as you have so that you can have more money to invest and to give away to other people. I pray for that. Because that's part of substance. You know, it's part of what it is. It's one thing to have attitude that I've got to go out and I've got to look for thirsty people and give them something, but what's in there? And I pray that you will, financially and resource-wise, that you'll have a lot, skill-wise. I pray that you're very talented in what you do so that you have more to offer people that are in need. Not only that, it's about your character. When you go out and you're going to want to help other people, you need to have the character and the wisdom in you that when you offer words, it's words saturated with integrity and character and wisdom. And that's why it's so important to prepare for us to invest in the lives of other people, that one, we work hard, but more important than that, that we make sure that we're developing into a man or woman of character and wisdom. And we do that, obviously, by pursuit of Christ, being a part of a church like Piedmont coming regularly where the scriptures opened up and you expose your heart to the scripture, that matures your character, that, that gives wisdom and implants wisdom in you. It's about getting into the scripture on your own. It's about taking ownership of your own walk and your own relationship with God because through pursuing Christ, 
You, God begins to deepen your character. He begins to deepen your wisdom. So that when you offer something to someone who's thirsty around you, you have a lot of really good stuff in that cup. Your content is rich. Remember what Solomon said, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7? The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. This <laughs> is like God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to take you, if you but, but God waits for you to seek it. He's saying the first step of getting is just going after it. Putting yourself in church and putting yourself in seeking God. Putting yourself in situations where you can gain wisdom. Building relationships with wise people. The first step, the beginning of getting wisdom is get wisdom. And here's what he says. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. He's saying, man, this is so important that no matter what it costs you to do it. I mean, he's just trying to make a value statement here. This is how important it is. Because you see, when you come in contact with people that are in need, your heart wants to reach it. That's great. That's what we talk about. That's realizing that life is, your life is primarily lived for the enrichment of other people. But then when you get there, you need to make sure that there's something good in your cup that they need, that there's some substance there. And that comes from you taking ownership of your relationship with God and pursuing Christ so that he has the opportunity to grow and expand and deepen your character and your wisdom. And I tell you, I promise you this, that if you do those things, if you begin to redefine success in life, it's not so much about what you contain and you can do and what you can be, but about the difference you can make in other people's lives, and you begin to live your life by that value system, and with that, you begin to pursue Christ, and you begin to become a part of a church, and you begin to, to take ownership of your own relationship with God and pursue Him and and you really begin to nurture that, all of a sudden, so that God changes your character and know what's going to happen, you're going to make difference in other people's lives. And you're going to see it. And you're going to hear it. And you're going to look back on those moments of your life. And they're going to give you more happiness and fulfillment than anything you've ever bought, than any title you've ever had. Because at your core, in your DNA, you are created by a God who is focused on the enrichment of those in whom he's created. That's what you were made for above everything else.